Hello and welcome to The Lone Ranger from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. A fiery horse with a speed of light, a cloud of dust, and a hearty high silver. The Lone Ranger. Forceful masked rider of the plains led the fight for law and order in the early western United States. Nowhere in the pages of history can one find a greater champion of justice. Return with us now to those thrilling days of yesteryear. From out of the past come the thundering hoofbeats of the great horse Silver. The Lone Ranger rides again. government official in Washington, who had called upon the Lone Ranger for assistance in the past, sent word to the Lone Ranger to ride to the railroad siding outside Prairie View on a specified date. There, when the Lone Ranger obeyed the summons, he was met in a private car by John White, the government man in charge of railroads. A new transcontinental railroad was to be built through the territory in which they met, but plans had come to a standstill. As John White explained, there must have been a leak in Washington. The railroad home office or in the territorial office here. Less than a dozen men knew the proposed route for the road. And either knowingly or unknowingly, they leaked the information to land speculators. Naturally, the land speculators bought properties along the route and held out for exorbitant sums of money. That's right. In some instances, they've practically stolen property to sell to us. Uh, isn't there some way you can put a stop to this? Well, not legally. Not unless we learn who is giving the information to the speculators. And not unless we get positive proof that the speculators use illegal means to get the land they sell or try to sell us. 
That's why I'm here to ask your help. You want me to get proof? We want you to assist us, if it's possible. You see, we've canceled all previous plans. We've changed the route of the railroad entirely. Instead of heading directly west out of Independence, we're going to have it go south a few hundred miles, then turn west again near Carydale. Well, let me show you this map. Right. John White unrolled a large map and twitched a line over the proposed new route. I said less than a dozen men know our plans. These same men know we intend to start acquiring property around and above Carryville in about a month or so. Do you think land speculators may learn about your change in plans? Well, yeah, they may. Until this moment, only two men, our friend in Washington who wrote you and myself, are aware that Carryville is to be sort of a testing ground. In what way? If land speculators enter the picture again, we want to learn how they acquire the knowledge and how they go about getting property. Now, we believe you're the one man in the West who may be able to assist us in getting the information. That is, if we run into the same trouble again. Well, I'll do whatever you want me to do. We'd be grateful if you rode to Carryville, remained in the vicinity for a few weeks. Traveling by horseback, it'll take Todd and me at least ten days to get to Carryville. Ten days will be time enough. We don't intend to start buying properties until next month. You'll have a few weeks on the scene, which should be enough. While you're in Carryville, I'll stay in the next town, Midvale, if you wish to make contact with me for any reason. At that moment in Carryville, banker Ernest Codswell studied a map of the countryside and a list of names on a paper atop his desk. He had paid thousands of dollars to a crooked clerk in the territorial office for information which the clerk had stolen from his superior's private files. <laughs> Now, Cogswell chuckled as he sat back in his chair. Uh, the properties along that new railroad route should be easy to get. I have mortgages on some, and the others. Well, I'll get them some way, and no one will ever realize that I've done it. I must work fast. A few days later, Philip Diaz, representative of the Mexican government, visited Colonel Sterling, commandant of Fort Randolph. The fort was 60 miles south of Carryville and 30 miles north of the Mexican border. Colonel Sterling, you have heard perhaps of the man the Mexicans call El Fuego. The flame? Certainly I have. His correct name is Rosario Colima, isn't it? That is right. He's a very bad man, this El Fuego. He's cruel and diabolical. And to him, murder is a laughing thing. Is it true he received his name because he uses fire as a means of destruction? Very true. He uses fire as a weapon as some men use guns and knives. And he destroys for one reason only. Profit. But, like all cruel men, El Fuego is a coward. Yes, they usually are. But, Senor Diaz, why are you telling me all this? About this man you call the flame. Because, Colonel, we have definite information that he has fled from Mexico with three of his men. According to the informant, who was once one of El Fuego's bandit gang, this outlaw is now in your territory. In this territory? He left Mexico to come here? See, si, that is correct, Colonel. And do not ask me why he has come here, I do not know. As far as I am able to learn, no one knows the answer to that question. The answer to why El Fuego was in the territory could be found in a cave in the mountains 30 miles from Fort Randolph. There, the Mexican outlaw was meeting with banker Ernest Cogswell and Cogswell's secret lieutenant, Ace Newcomb. Newcomb, on Cogswell's orders, had paid the flame and three of his men to leave Mexico. 
And now the banker was telling the outlaw what he wanted done. Here is the list of ranches and homes I want you to destroy. Ace will tell you how to get to them in the easiest way. Yeah, Rosario, I'll do that. This sounds like a very easy thing, senors. Each time before I make a raid, you, Ace, will precede it by making a raid of your own on the other side of town. Is that correct? Yeah, that's the idea. I decoy the sheriff and his men away from you. I'm sure Ace will handle his part. You, Rosario, be sure you do yours well. Make certain always that you leave evidence that the fires you create were made by no one other than El Fuego. Here is the gold for the first job. Are you and your men ready to start once? We do not like hiding here forever in this cave, senor. The sooner you give us work to do, the better we like it. <laughs> and the more gold we get, eh? Then start tonight. Set fire to the widow Ramsey's house and use the Fleming Ranch as a decoy. That night, Ace Newcomb and his men waited at the corral on Jim Fleming's ranch, escaping before Fleming's hands could take after them. And as Sheriff Stone and his posse rode west to the Fleming Ranch in response to the owner's summons, <laughs> El Fuego and his followers set fire to the Widow Ramsey's home located to the east of the town. Five times during the next week, the same pattern was repeated. Newcomb's gang attacking ranchers on one side of town, while the flame and his men burned property miles away in the opposite direction. Indignation reached its height as the leading ranch and businessmen of the vicinity met that weekend in Sheriff Stone's office. Jim Fleming was their spokesman. Sheriff, this Mexican outlaw is making fools of all of us, you included. Five ranches set fire to in the past week, with buildings and stock completely destroyed. It's a matter for the military. Yes, yes, I know it, Mr. Fleming. The soldiers are combing the hills right now. So far, they haven't come across any sign of the flame and his men. Well, they better find him soon. If they don't, we'll either lose our property like Widow Ramsey did, or else we'll have to mortgage it so heavily, we'll never get it back. At that moment, the Lone Ranger and Tonto were setting up camp in the wooded country outside Carryville. On their journey to the town, they had heard stories of the raids by El Fuego, and the Lone Ranger was troubled. We may have two jobs on our hands while we're in Carryville, doing what Mr. White asked us to do, and perhaps helping to capture El Fuego. That sounds pretty bad. Things can do. If the stories we heard are true, Miss Bandit is destroying property out of sheer wantonness. It not makes sense. Yes, you're right, Toto. It makes no more sense than his coming north of the border. Somehow there's something more behind his being here than we've learned so far. The Lone Ranger and Toto, who had been in Carryville before, rode into town after midnight. The Lone Ranger saw a light in the window of the sheriff's office. Toto, someone seems to be in there. Might be a good opportunity to get the information we're after. The two men walked to the window of the sheriff's office and peered inside. They saw no one. Seems to be deserted. Let's try the door. The masked man turned the knob of the door, and to his surprise, it opened. He and Toto stepped inside. But as they did, Sheriff Stone stepped from the shadows in a corner of the room. His gun was leveled at them. All right, so two reach for the ceiling. You thought no one was here, didn't you? 
I was at the window. I saw you two armies ride up the street. I think... All right, men, grab him. At the Moon Ranger's words, the sheriff turned, ready to fire. Oh. But the masked man grabbed his arms from behind. There's no one there, sheriff. Take his gun, fellow. Me, You think I fell for a child's trick like that? Well, you'd better kill me now if that's what you plan. Because if you... No don't... one's going to kill you, sheriff. We'd like to help you if we may. Otto, uh, return the sheriff's pistol. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, I'll be... Thanks. But what does this mean? Who are you? Sheriff Stone was wide-eyed when he learned the identity of the masked man and Indian. The Lone Ranger related the fact that he was in the town on a secret mission for high authority, but was concerned now principally with information about the flame. The sheriff told of the raids and how they were carried out. Then he showed the Lone Ranger a list of all the properties that had been destroyed. And after giving the details, concluded... The strange part is, these people have nothing in common. Some are poor. Few are kind of well off. We can't figure why the flame was picked on them. The widow Ramsey and Pete Newgate had to sell what was left of their property. They did? Who bought it? Ernie Cogswell, he's the owner of the bank here. He bought the places outright? Didn't he offer to lend the money to rebuild? No, he didn't. Matter of fact, he's getting ready to foreclose the mortgages he holds on the other places the flame burned down. Mm, this is interesting. Sheriff, where are these ranch properties located? I've got a map here on the table. Come over here and take a look at All it. Right. Those ranches with the pencil marks on them are the ones that have been burned. The Lone Ranger stepped close to the map and used his index finger to trace an imaginary line connecting the places Sheriff Stone had marked. A light of understanding flashed in his eyes as he finished. There it is, the pattern. Exactly in the places that John White showed me in his map. Mm. What? I, I didn't quite get that. Who's John White? Oh, I, uh, I can't tell you now, Sheriff. Perhaps I may at a later time. There's something else on my mind now. Sheriff, you mentioned Mr. Cogwell before. Yeah. Hey, look, you don't think he has anything to do with this flame hombre, do you? My thoughts wouldn't help any at this time. Not without some proof. Sheriff, will you help me and yourself by doing something tomorrow morning? I'll do anything that'll help me get to the bottom of this flame business. What do you want? Now, this. Tomorrow, Toto and I'll ride to Midvale and return in the evening. While we're gone, will you please try to learn if Cogswell has been in contact with railroad officers in the East, with anyone in Washington, D.C., or in the territorial office here? Be glad to. Do it first thing tomorrow. <laughs> The curtain falls on the first act of our Lone Ranger adventure. Before the next exciting scenes, please permit us to pause for just a few moments. Continue. The next morning, the Lone Ranger and Toto rode to Midvale, 
The Lone Ranger, disguised as a rancher, visited government agent John White and told the startling facts he had learned the previous evening. White's decision was immediate. I'll go to Carryville myself on the late train tonight. Meanwhile, I'll send a report to Washington. I really think you're on the right track with this fellow Cogswell. I believe so, too. You tell Sheriff Stone the situation as I outlined it to you in Grand Prairie. There's no need for keeping this matter a closed secret in view of what's happened. I'll see you in Carryville late tonight, after midnight, when the train gets there. Sheriff Stone had investigated Ernest Cogswell that morning. He was surprised when the banker entered his office that afternoon. Well, Sheriff, you haven't learned anything about this Marauder the Flame, have you? Uh, no, no, we're just not getting any place in the matter. One good thing, there were no burnings or false raids last night. Well, that's good. I, uh, I dropped by to offer my help if there's anything you want me to do. There's nothing, Mr. Cogswell. Uh, I see. Uh, you'll, uh, you'll be able to relax a bit now, I imagine. Eh? Yes, we'll relax. Just work days finding out whatever is possible. Uh-huh. I don't think we'll be bothered much by the flame from now on. When Sheriff Stone met the Lone Ranger that evening, he told of Cogswell's visit. He concluded. And because he seemed to be fishing for information, I, I just told him nothing. You sort of put a bee in my bonnet about him, so I played careful. Oh, good. Did you inquire about Cogswell having contact with the railroad or territorial officers? You know, you guessed right about that. Cogswell has a pal in the territorial office. A very good pal who writes him a lot. But tell me, what's this all about? The Lone Ranger, realizing he now had more definite grounds for suspecting Cogswell, outlined his theory about the railroad. Sheriff Stone gasped. Why, that'll... That makes a lot of sense, what you just said. And it gives a reason for him dropping in on me like he did today. It sounds as if he wanted to know what your plans were. Sheriff, may I look at your map once more? Uh, the one that uh, showed the location of the ranches around Carryville? Sure, you may, sure. Something in mind? Yes, a plan, Sheriff. Plan that I'll tell you about after I've studied the map. Ranger had finished his study of the map, he said. There are three places to the west of town and two to the east that are in the line of the railroad's path. Oh, you think one of them will be burned next, eh? If my hunch is right, yes. Now, here's my plan. You and your men leave town this evening and go to the west. I'll take the east. If there's a decoy raid as before, either of us will be in a position to follow close on the trail of the raiders. Sure. Meanwhile, the other group will be in a spot near where the flame may go. And you'll take cargo with you? Sure thing. And if anything happens on our side first, I'll have a man ride to tell you. And I hope something does happen. We'll be ready for them. In accordance with the Lone Ranger's plan, Sheriff Stone and the posse rode west out of Carryville that evening. But first, they stopped at Ernest Cogswell's ranch. <laughs> banker, when he answered the door, was surprised. Sheriff, what, what's wrong? What are you doing here with all these men? We're going on a little trip, Mr. Cogswell, sort of a vigil. You said you'd help if you could. Well, we need your help. Come along. It was by mere chance that the sheriff and his posse took up their vigil in a grove of trees near the Circle Y Ranch where Ace Newcomb would make a mock raid at 11 o'clock. 
As that hour neared, Ernest Cogswell became more and more nervous. He seemed to be moving his horse away from the group gradually when Sheriff Stone intercepted him. You better stay near me, Mr. Cogswell. It's better that way. Hey, Sheriff, look. They're coming across the trail from the hills and heading toward the circle wide. Men on horses. Look. They have their faces covered. Come on, men. It's one of those raids. Get your guns ready. We're riding them down. Uh, hey, Mr. Hemis, get out of here. Turn your horse, Cogswell. You're coming with us. Come on, get get up, get up. Get up. Stop where you are. We're the law. Ace Newcomb and his men, sneaking upon the Circle Y ranch, were taken by surprise. The sheriff and his posse, firing over the outlaws' heads, moved in on them before the crooks knew what happened. Many were hit by bullets from the posse before they could fire. You're under arrest! Ace Newcomb, as surprised as the rest, was even more so when in the moonlight he saw Ernest Cogswell ride up with the sheriff. Suspecting a double cross by the banker, Newcomb shouted angrily. Cogswell! What kind of a double cross is it? Cogswell! You shot him! You killed him! Oh, how awful. I didn't mean to. He he pulled his gun on me. You saw that, didn't you? Well, didn't you? I'm not sure. Lefty, while we're rounding up these fellas and taking them to the Hooskow, you ride to where I told you. Say to be ready, and tell the masked men we'll be there as fast as we can. Right, Sheriff. Get The deputy named Lefty had ridden by a shortcut across the hills to where the Lone Ranger and Tonto waited. Before he could tell what had happened, the Lone Ranger saw flames leap into the sky from a ranch nearby. It's not far from here. This is it, Tonto. Rosario Colima, the plane, stopped with his men to watch the fire he had set to the stable of Dr. Fielder. <laughs> this is a good one. Such a fire. And see, the grass is dry and it too is now ablaze. <laughs> now I set fire to the house also. And we burn it all Coming seemingly from nowhere, the Lone Ranger and Tonto galloped into the light and started to shoot at the outlaws. Their bullets crashed into the shooting arms of the three Mexican outlaws, who were silhouetted by the flames. Colima, the leader, let out a cry and galloped away. And the light! Ah, they shoot the gun from my hand, but they will not get me! Go! 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 Without thought of direction, he headed back towards the stables. The flames from the stable had spread to the dry grass, and now he saw with sudden fright that the grass before him was catching fire. Diablo! Stop! Turn right, fool horse! Right! The outlaw horse turned and whinnied in fright as the flames neared. As El Fuego spurred the animal, he could hear the voice of a pursuing horseman behind him. Up, El Fuego! Up, El Fuego! The flames spurred his desperate horse again as a bullet grazed his side. And at that moment, a tongue of flame leaped ahead of the grass fire and seemed to form a barrier in the horse's path. The frightened animal leaped into the air, pawing and tossed the outlaw sheep to the ground with a sickening thud. Then the horse turned and ran away, leaving the injured man on the ground. The lone ranger, who had been pursuing El Fuego, saw the man fall in the path of the creeping flame. He leaped from the back of his horse as he reached the spot where the outlaw was sprawled. Senor, do not kill me. Do not let me die. I have other plans for you. Let me get you onto my horse. The masked man, working rapidly, lifted the wounded man and laid him across Silver's saddle. The flames were within ten feet of the horse as he vaulted through Silver's back. The Lone Ranger rode away, but not back to where he had left Toto with the wounded outlaws. Instead, he continued in the direction in which El Fuego had been riding when his horse threw him. They were away from the grass fire now, and minutes might pass before it caught up with them. 
the Lone Ranger stopped his horse and straightened the outlaw into a sitting position. Wago, I could have let you remain where you were. It would have been just retribution if you were to die with the flames you yourself started. Oh, senor, you speak the truth. But you have not let me die like that. To you, I am grateful. You're not free of the flames yet. They'll soon catch up with us. It would be easy for me to leave you here. Oh, no, no. You would not do that. I'm hurt. I cannot move if you leave. You would not do it, senor. No, I wouldn't. But you owe me your life. Oh, see, si, see. Si. And I shall pay you for saving it. You know, I'm only saving you for a while. I'll turn you over to the authorities. They may send you to death. But not by fire, senor. That is what I fear, fire. Look, get from there. Take me away and I shall give you anything you desire. I want information. You give me that? See, si, see, si, I tell you I do anything. Whatever information you desire is yours. Good. But when you've given me the information I want, we're riding back to where we left your men. There'll be others waiting for us there, I'm sure. One, two, The Lone Ranger hurried away from the spreading fire, then circled back to the road to be entirely free of its breath. Now, El Fuego, talk. It was an hour later. Sheriff Stone and his men had arrived at Dr. Fields' ranch, and after taking the wounded Mexicans prisoners, helped to save part of the doctor's stable. Banker Ernest Codswell was standing near the sheriff when they saw the masked man ride out of the darkness with a Mexican propped up in front of him on the horse's back. Sheriff, here's the man you've sought. This is Rosario Kalima, the flame. Well, Fuego, get down here, Kalima. You're covered. I shall do nothing. I'm getting down. Now, Fuego, tell the sheriff what you told me. First, who brought you here from Mexico? It is... Senor Cogswell. What? A man who stands there beside you, Sheriff. Look at Cogswell, Sheriff. He's fainted. He should. Because if he's guilty, he'll be tried for murdering H. Newcomb, as well as causing all his terrible destruction. Well, now, El Fuego, tell us everything. White arrived in town, and the next morning, the Lone Ranger introduced him to Sheriff Stone. You two men will have to work together now in bringing this matter to a conclusion. Cogswell has told us who gave him the advance information about our plans. I sent a telegraph wire to the territorial office. The man will be under arrest by now. Then Toto and I have done all we can, so we'll leave you now. Adios. Adios. Thank you. Sheriff, the masked man is entitled to all the reward money offered for the capture of El Fuego in this country of Mexico. He deserves it. Yes, I know. But he's turned over his rights to that money. He asks that it be given to Widow Ramsey and the others who have lost personal property in the fires. That sure is nice. You may tell those who own property that the government and the railroad company will combine to give them true value for their properties. Help them find new lands. I'll do that today, Mr. White. They'll be grateful to you. To me? Oh, no, Sheriff. Their thanks should go to the man who has done so much for them, the West, and his country. The Lone Ranger.
is a feature of the Lone Ranger Incorporated, created by George W. Trendle, produced by Trendle Campbell Muir Incorporated, directed by Charles D. Livingston, and edited by Fran Stryker. The part of the Lone Ranger is played by Brace Beamer. <laughs>